Welcome to Writer's Voices with Monica and Caroline. I'm your host, Monica Hadley. And with me today, we have a very special co-host, my very special grandson, Logan Hadley. Welcome to Writer's Voices, Logan. (laughs) Now, Logan does his his own podcast, too, but... The reason he's here with us today is because our guest is one of his favorite authors. So, Logan, who are we talking with today? (laughs) Louis Sutherland is the author of the number one New York Times and USA Today best-selling Wings of Fire series, the Managiria trilogy, and the Pet Trouble series, as well as a contributioning author to the best-selling Spirit Animals and Seekers series as a part of the Erin Hunter team. In 2009, she was a two-day champion on Jeopardy. She lives in Massachusetts with her wonderful husband, two awesome sons, and two very patient dogs. To learn more about Tui's books, visit her online at www.tuibooks.com. <laughs> and welcome to Writer's Voices, Tui. Thank you so much. It's so great to get to talk to you guys. Thank you for that great introduction, Logan. <laughs> now, Logan, how many of Tui's books have you read? All the Wings of Fire series. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Every that's single a lot. one. When I when I uh, found out that I was going to be be have the opportunity to interview you, Tui, I. I asked Logan, I said, have you, have you heard of this writer? Would you be interested in this? Do you want this book? He goes, I already have that book. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, I have, I have all of her books. (laughs) Oh, that makes me happy. Thank you guys. (laughs) Um, Well, that's, I'm very impressed. I will say I, uh, I, I don't, I don't tend to ask the people in my life to read all of them because I know it's a lot. Oh, I have one one son who's working his way through them now. Um, how is, how um, old is he? He just turned ten. Okay, a ago. that's about the right age, so. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But oh my gosh, the pressure to have your mom just like walking through the room every five minutes, like what what do you think so far? Do you like it? Why aren't you laughing? <laughs> So I'm trying to like control myself, but Logan, <laughs> so how old do you think? How old were you when you started reading these? Do you think? Eleven. Eleven. Oh, that's like awesome. near the start of the school year. Yeah. Oh, Wait, so so you read them all in like a year? Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> well, that's he is a impressive. fast reader. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so how long have you been writing the Wings of Fire series? Well, actually, I know exactly because I, so I started by making sort of an outline, like idea for the first five books. Um, and like a, I'd written the first couple of chapters so that I could propose it to Scholastic, like show them what it would be like. And I remember I turned that in like a couple of days before my first child was born and he's 12 now. So I've been working on them for 12 years, but I think the first one was published 10 years ago. And this is the 10 year anniversary of like when it first like entered the world, basically. <laughs> wow. And mm-hmm. so there's 15 of them. So that's like more than one a year. Yeah, we were doing it on a six month schedule because there's also two sort of standalone but connected books. Um, so there's really 17 and then the graphic novels as well. So they have been coming out pretty quickly. Yeah, at first it was every six months. And then um, and then I started like falling behind on all my deadlines. So it got a little more stretched out towards the end. Logan, <laughs> have, you the read the, have you read the uh, graphic novels too? I've read like two of them. 
and because I don't yeah, that's have <laughs> they're like, um, you know, they're just the same as the books, but as, as graphic novels. So they're just adaptations. So once you've read the books, I think it's fun to look at the graphic novels, but it's not necessary to like keep up with the story. <laughs> okay. So it's the same, like you, each graphic novel is one complete book. Right. Exactly. Oh, so like wow. the first graphic novel is just adapting the first book in the series. How involved are you in the, in that adaptation? I'm pretty involved, but I also have a lot of help. And it's been fascinating because, you know, with the novels, it's just me, like, by myself writing in the middle of the night, which is, um, you know, very satisfying. (laughs) I'm a night owl, and it's just me in my pajamas with my dogs. Um, And with the graphic novels, there's, like, all these other people involved, which is great because I can't draw, so it would be terrible if it was just me. (laughs) But we actually have someone who comes in and first like reads through the book and does like a manuscript of what the graphic novel like script could look like. And his name is Barry Deutsch and he actually writes his own graphic novels. There's a trilogy called Hereville, which is amazing. It's incredibly funny and clever. Um, so I was very excited that he was willing to like help us with these. Um, so he does a whole like draft of a manuscript where he makes suggestions um, of what the art could look like. Cause he has a much more visual brain than I do. Um, so he'll be like, um, like in the, first graphic novel there's a scene where clay is like swimming through an underwater tunnel um to escape and he um very like described what the page could look like he's like it could be we could see the tunnel on the page and little clays like all the way through the tunnel like time is passing as he swims across the page and it looks really cool in the final thing and i don't know that i would ever have thought of that um and then he does like you know he puts my dialogue in and i get to read his manuscript and make little notes on it so I mean, me being me, I'm like, nope, every word is important. Put all my dialogue back in. <laughs> I try to, like, fit it all in, and then eventually um, I'll get a, a draft, a, a, like, a, I'll get the, the final art where they've, like, tried to fit all that, those words in the bubbles, and then I have to cut some out because they don't all fit in the bubbles. <laughs> mm. Okay, so you, you're really involved in what actually, the words yeah. that actually end up on the page of the graphic novels. Oh, yeah. It must I mean, be very really, He's really hard good. to condense a whole novel down. In- yeah. Well, and especially what's interesting for me is that the novels, I think, are very internal. Like, there's a lot about, you know, each one is from a different dragon's point of view. And then, um, and and so there's a lot of, like, what's going on internally with that dragon? And what are they feeling? And how do they change over the course of the book? And so I'll have, you know, a, a, a section of the first novel where Clay is just thinking for three pages straight and like having all these emotions and feelings. And then um, our artist, Mike Holmes, will have to capture that in like one expression in one panel of the novel. <laughs> <laughs> and he does such a good job. I find it so impressive. It's my favorite thing is all the little expressions he puts on the dragons. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very different trying to like imagine how to convey the same thing visually um, and, and sort of concisely to fit it in the graphic novel. Um, and then, but still capture the the essence of the story. Wow. Now, yeah. Logan, you like reading graphic novels too, don't you? Yes. Do you like, like when you've read both the, one of these books and the, and the novel, graphic novel, do you have a preference one of the other? I like the normal books, but I also like looking at the pictures to know what it looks like, what they're actually doing in the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. Like, I love um, the way he captures, like, what some of the things that were in my head that I wasn't sure I was explaining as well as I wanted to on the page. Now I can see it and be like, yes, that's the Summer Palace. Like, that's the Skywing Prison. That's exactly what I wanted. 
So, yeah, it is really cool. And, of course, Definitely that's that. why it would be really great to have a TV series of these. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Fingers crossed. Hopefully yep. it will still happen one day. Um, because I got to see some art when they were originally, like, starting to work on this TV show, um, which right now is on hold. But the art was looking incredible. Like, they were um, they were just these incredibly talented artists working on it. Um, and I think it would have been really beautiful. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. Now, are the graphic novels in color? Because I know some are yeah. sometimes they're black and white, you know, some of the ones I've seen. But wow. Yeah, no, these are, and actually we have like, so Mike Holmes does the art in black and white, and then another person comes in and adds the color. <laughs> and her name is Marta, and she is incredible. Oh my God, that's my favorite stage, actually, is like finally getting to see it all like suddenly light up with the colors. Um, and we give her the worst challenges, too. I'll, you know, I'm like, okay, so we're going to the underwater, like, kingdom of the sea, and all the dragons are blue. <laughs> we're fine, oh. right? <laughs> And she does such a great job. Or like the third graphic novel is set in the rainforest and all the dragons there have sort of chameleon powers where they can change color um, according to their emotions or whether they want to camouflage themselves. So I was like, yeah, the dragons just have to look different in every single panel and like occasionally disappear into the background. (laughs) And she does an amazing job. It's really fun. When you um, started writing this, you said you, you laid out five books right off mm-hmm. the bat did you intend that that would be it or did you always envision that you'd have 15 plus um, well I definitely wanted to make sure the fifth book was like a satisfying ending just in case I didn't get to do more I mean publishing um you never know like you can't go into it thinking you're going to have 15 books because that, the contract was for five so I might have only been able to do five. So I I definitely focused my energy on like making it a satisfying like five book story. Um, And it was while I was, I think, finishing book four and starting book five that um, my editor came to me and said, you know, we would be interested in five more of these. (laughs) I was like, oh, yes, please. (laughs) So then I got to plan out the next five books. And same with books 11 through 15. Um, It was like as I was writing book 10, I got to plan those out. It was really fun. So is 15 it? I don't know. <laughs> That's like the hardest question right now. I I definitely don't feel ready to leave the world. Like there are all these characters that I've left in situations where I want to get back to them and check on them <laughs> and like reassure people about what's happening with them and answer some questions. There are, there are characters who haven't met that really need to meet. Um, so Logan will know Peril and Sky still haven't met each other and I really want to get them into a scene together. So I don't feel like the series is over, but I do feel like I don't have a clear plan for like a, another five book arc. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's sort of where I have to figure out like what, um, what would it be and make sure that it's something that would carry me through five more books. Um, so the thing I know is coming out next is in March, there's going to be a like guide to the world of dragons. And that was originally going to be sort of this, encyclopedia of the world where it was like here are the plants you find in the mud kingdom and the you know the things they eat in the sand kingdom and then I just like I'm not a very non-fiction oriented person and so the more we worked on it the more I was like but I could also write a story from Kinkadoo's point of view and I could also <laughs> write like the history of the mud wings and do this like cool story over here so it ended up being really more of a collection of like stories from each kingdom so it will still have like little close-up maps of each kingdom and details about the world there but it will have these beautiful drawings like the artist who does the covers has done some drawings for the interior that are really pretty too 
Um, and then lots of just details about characters that we haven't focused on as much before. So oh. I hope people like it. <laughs> well, coming into this, of course, for the first time with book 15, I did, um, I did feel like it stood on its own. Uh, oh, wow. I could tell there was a lot of backstory, of course, but I didn't feel like I didn't understand what was going on because I hadn't read it. So that's that must be one of the trickiest things about writing a series is that you don't know for sure how much of previous how many of the previous books people have read. Do you yeah. del- deliberately try and make it so somebody can e- read each and every one? By itself? Um, no, actually, I'm really impressed that you were able to follow it, especially the 15th book. Because <laughs> there's, like, there's so much going on by then. Um, I will say, like, the beginning of each arc, like, so books one and six and 11, do, like, I feel like those are good jumping in points because it's the start of a new, like, storyline, a new problem, and a whole, usually a whole new set of characters, even though the other characters are there in the background. Um, but I'm always, like astonished by kids who are like, yeah, I started with book four and then I went back and read the others. And I'm like, what? Weren't you enormously confused? Um, But I think what actually might help with making them each feel like their own story is that they are each their own dragon. And so although like the plot keeps going and there's a lot of stuff going on behind them, if like what I try to do with each book is focus in on that character. Like that's the most important thing to me is like, how does this character feel at the beginning? Like how do they change by the end? And how do they participate in saving the world? Because that's mm. kind of one of the messages is like anyone can save the world and you'll get to see each dragon do it in their own way. Um, so they're all important to the story. Um, so. Chronologically, are you going from one to 15? Do they happen chronologically? Yes. Yeah. The only one that's sort of out of the chronology is one of those standalone books. Um, it's called Dark Soccer. And that one actually goes back 2,000 years. It's like a prequel um, where you get to find out the history of this particular dragon from like their ancient history, which then starts to tie into the books. Um, it t- ties into the books like six through 10. Um, but so it's helpful to read it to connect that dragon to what's happening in that particular arc. But um, but that's the only one that's sort of out of the the rest of the chronology. Otherwise, it, it just progresses forward. Yeah. So Logan, did you read these all in order? Well, I started from book three because I found it, and then I went from two, and then I went to four, and then on. <laughs> and then once I finished, like, I ended on book 13. I read Dark Stalker and um, the other one with the humans, and mm-hmm. then Dragon I read Fair. book 14 and 15, and then I read the first one last. <laughs> You're <Wow. kidding. laughs> So was there some was there anything in book one that you wish you had known as you were reading the others? Well, like I read the graphic novel like a few years ago and I remembered what happened in that one. So, ah, okay. Okay. So you, you yeah, had it's a basics. lot of setup for yeah, the rest. Yeah. I bet. I bet. <laughs> so Logan, was there a favorite dragon for you in this whole series? Uh I thought they were all cool. Mm-hmm. I like the sea wings and the ice wings, though, so maybe one of the characters better. Those dragons. Oh, that's awesome. And of course, yeah, we didn't get to like 
have an Icewing main character until book seven. Um, but then I finally got to take the story to the Ice Kingdom and actually see what their society is like. And it was a bit different from the other Dragon Kingdoms. So that was really fun to sort of focus <laughs> in on them. <laughs> so and how many that. Dragon Kingdoms are there? At the beginning, there are seven, because there are seven tribes of dragons, and they're all sort of um, based on the habitats they live in, like the rainforest, the, the kingdom of the sea. There are mud dragons and sky dragons and ice dragons. Um, but then in book 11, we discover that there's a continent, like across the ocean, that they um, like haven't communicated with each other in thousands of years. And um, on that continent, there are three more um, tribes of dragons. So total, there's 10 different tribes. Okay, and in in the fifteenth book, which is the Flames of Hope, um, mm-hmm. you're on both continents. In that book, that's true. That's I yeah. finally brought them all together. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, my, like, which 11, of the two sorry. continents were most of the other books set on? So, books one through ten are on the first continent, um, Pyria, where the seven tribes are. And okay. then book 11 actually starts on the other continent and has almost none of the original dragons in it because it's focusing on introducing those three tribes and a, whole, a new set of characters over there. So the one you read, Luna, um, is a Silkwing, and she is one of those three tribes. And so those would be the Silkwings, the Hivewings, and yeah. the Leafwings. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so the silk wings are sort of based on butterflies. They have these beautiful butterfly-like wings. Um, and the and book 11 is her brother's story. His name is Blue. Um, and so that was like starting off with, with the silk wing there. And then you have like a hive wing, a leaf wing. And then in book 14, they have like fled to the first continent um, to seek refuge from this great, terrible thing. Um, and that one, you get back into an ice wing perspective and sort of see them from the first continent's point of view. And they're like kind of refugees um, searching for safety. <laughs> wow. But then Luna, you know, the one you read, Luna is a silk wing and she's like, okay, time to save the day. <laughs> time to wrap up this problem here. <laughs> oh. You're listening to yeah, Writer's okay. Voices with Monica and Caroline and our guest host today is Logan Hadley. And our guest is Tui Sutherland, author of the Wings of Fire series. Now you had done some writing before this series i'm guessing yes. that some of these the menagerie trilogy and the pet trouble series were those prior to wings of fire yeah that's right menagerie overlapped a little bit um like i was sort of working on that at the same time as the first few wings of fire books but i wrote that the, that trilogy with my sister um so that made it a little easier that i you know it was like a co uh, project um and, uh, and yeah, no, but before that I had written, yeah, I've written probably about 50 books at this point. So a lot of them were before Wings of Fire. It all sort of, I feel like it all helped me get better so that by the time I got to Wings of Fire, like I had figured out a lot of things. 50 books? <laughs> yeah. 50 books? <laughs> yeah, That's roughly. kind of like unbelievable. That. How old were you when you started? <laughs> Eight? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wanted when I was eight, I desperately wanted to be a writer. But no, my first, like I did some books when I first started because I was working in publishing. So I started off um, like as an editorial assistant, like working on very young books with like stickers or tat- glitter tattoos. Um, and my first, so my first couple of books were easy to read. Um, and then I did one of those who was biographies, who was Harry Houdini. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote my first novel. And that was like, I was like 20 
four, I think. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and did you always were they were they all for um this for kids for young readers? Yeah, definitely. I've I've varied a little bit from like the easy to reads were probably the youngest for kids just learning to read, and then I've done some for teenagers that I would consider like more squarely YA books. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of what I've written is in sort of the middle grade range, where it's like eight to twelve or like ten to fifteen. And why why did you age. choose that <laughs> age group to focus on? I just love them. They're like the best kids. And I'm so happy right now because my children are there. They're 10 and 12. <laughs> and it's like, they're so much fun to hang out with. I just find them like endlessly entertaining. And I also feel like that's when you can like change the world kind of because, uh, I mean, as the as the writer affecting those kids, because like I feel like the books I read at that age like shaped me as a person. Like I am who I am because I read Anne of Green Gables, you know? <laughs> and so I, I, I feel like the books like that I want my kids to read and the books that I want to put into the world for those kids like they could read them and be like oh this is who I am this is what I want to be like this is I see myself or I see the person I want to be um and I and I feel like it you know whereas when you're an adult reading like it does, books don't have quite that same effect on me anymore like I love them I'm still an enormous reader but I feel like in terms of shaping me as a person most of that happened when I was a kid reading children's books so and, I'm, and they're also just the best kids to meet. Like when you go to a signing and you talk to 10-year-olds like and 12-year-olds, they're just the most interesting, lovely people <laughs> and ask you like any kind of question, right? There's like no fear. <laughs> yeah, Logan, let's get some of those fearless questions here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no pressure. It's okay. <laughs> Sometimes they're very detailed and I have to be like, okay, give me like 10 minutes to reread this book and figure out what you're talking about. <laughs> And that's always really funny um, how they like absorb that information and really retain it. You know, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. So um, dragons, is this something that you've always loved? Was this something that came from your childhood or like, what was, who was the first dragon you ever met? Oh, sure. Oh my gosh. Great question. So when you say that, like I'm, I'm feeling picture books pop into my head, but I don't remember super clearly. <laughs> well, there's but always Puff, that, you know, Puff the Magic Dragon. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And um, the uh, Peach Dragon. There was like a movie before the the current. There was like a, a movie not that long ago that was like Peach Dragon, but there was one like way back when we were kids that was like partially animated. Um, That's right. <laughs> I haven't thought about right. that in forever. <laughs> That was a much sillier dragon, like fun, but kind of silly. And then there was um, the, no. the dragonish kind of thing in Never Ending Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He that was pretty lovely. cool. Yeah. I um, I was also obsessed with um, sort of around this age, around like 10 to 12. I read the Anne McCaffrey books that are set on uh, Pern. Um, and in particular, there's one called Dragon Song that's about like, um, this girl who finds this like sort of clutch of fire lizard eggs, which are basically tiny dragons and nine of them bond with her. And she becomes this like, you know, fire lizard queen whisperer kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and that was, I remember that. I think that's one of the few books I read multiple times because I was like, Oh, I want my own like little clutch of dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard so, of those yeah. books, Logan? Uh, no. Nope. Well, they were, yeah, I mean, they were, they were written in like the 70s, which is fascinating to me. Like, I oh, <laughs> yeah. think about how long ago that was. But she wrote, so three of them are written like for kids. 
Dragon Song is like the first in a trilogy for kids, but most of them she wrote for adults. And now I've gone back and reread a couple and been like, oh, I cannot believe my mom let me read these. She clearly did not read them first. <laughs> so for any parents out there, you know, hand your kid Dragon Song, but maybe not the others just yet. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. So, yeah, she was, uh, it was released, Dragon Song, yeah, in 1976, which is, um, that would be before Logan's dad was born. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and before I was born, yeah. But I'm guessing it was, like, on my parents' shelf or something. I mean, we lived overseas, so we lived um, in Venezuela and Paraguay when I was little, and I feel like we just kind of read whatever we could find in the library. There wasn't a whole lot of choice and there was an awful lot of British books too because Mm. it was just whatever the like American and British expats had left for the library so I guess I must have found it somewhere um, either in my parents collection or like or one of the libraries there. Now why were you living in Venezuela? Um, Well that's where I was born. My dad is American and he was working for a bank down there at the time and my mom is from New Zealand which is why I'm called Tui. It's a New Zealand bird um, that only lives in New Zealand and she had been traveling like it's a thing a lot of New Zealanders do where like she got her nursing degree and immediately left and started traveling the world and she'd been pretty much everywhere I think and she was in Venezuela um, like working um, at the time and so she met my dad there and they ended up like getting married and having me and my sister and then his job got transferred to Paraguay um, and so we were in Paraguay for six years um, and then Miami for two years, the Dominican Republic for two years, and then finally New Jersey for high school, which was a bit different from all the others. Do you, do you think that this childhood growing up in various cultures um, influenced your ability to be able to write about various dragon cultures? I do think so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm very grateful to my parents for um, giving me such an opportunity to sort of live in all these different places and experience um, the different cultures, like you said. Um, I, I feel like it helped, you know, set me off on like a path of being interested, at least, in um, how other people see the world and how, you know, it's, it's different from place to place. Um, and that's definitely something I'm trying to accomplish with the Dragon Tribes, that like, at first, they all have these sort of stereotypes of each other. But because the first book starts with um, these five little dragons who've been stolen from their tribes and raised together, um, they don't have any of that to, to start off with because they know each other, you know, and I feel like that's a, that's a big part of like how to make the world more open minded is for people to get to know, um, you know, people from different kingdoms, different cultures, different, um, different mindsets. So, yeah, that, I think that's definitely a part of, of something I'm really interested in in all my books. And it does seem like... Um you're kind of trying to talk about current affairs and civil rights and, and, and mm-hmm. um, fascism and versus democracy and yep. things like that in your, in these books as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I, I and I try to keep it on like a personal level, you know, like how does this one dragon deal with, this very like being living in this oppressive society or having this um, fascist person in charge, dragon in charge. Um, and I, my hope is that um, kids reading it won't necessarily be like, oh, this is exactly this parallel, but will feel like 
oh, yeah, I should care about other dragons, other people. I should think about, you know, what, what's the kind choice? What's the fair choice? Like, what's the just choice here? Um, and, and uh, yeah, so I'm hoping, I feel like it's, you know, it's fun to do it on a dragon level that makes it so kids will read it. And then hopefully it also makes them think and ask questions and talk to their parents about the things it makes them think about. So Logan, as a young reader, do you notice any of that or, or do you just notice the story? Um, I kind of just noticed the story. I don't know. (laughs) Totally okay. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's been a while since I read the last book. (laughs) A while as in several months. Yes. So you you were finished reading all 15 of these. If you started at the beginning of last school year, you were finished by what, February or March? Um, yes, until the newest <laughs> book came out and then I read that one. Wow. And, wow. and amazing. I think, were you taking some quiz on these books too? Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Is this a this is a reading a program to encourage reading and they have like questions about there's certain books that are on the list. Yes, and they give you points for doing the the quizzes. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and That's really cool. So, how many points did you earn from from Tui's books? Um, so you get words and. The goal was two million words, and um, from Wings of Fire, I read like a million words from all of them. <laughs> so most wow. of my points are from this series. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing! So, oh my gosh! So you read two million words altogether yes. this school year. Wow, that's a that's a lot. So, what's the average word count for one of your books, Julie? Do you know? Um. I should know. I okay, let me think. It's like somewhere between sixty and eighty thousand, depending okay. on the book. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. So yeah, so <laughs> all about three hundred. Take that times if you read fifteen, sixteen, seventeen of these books, that comes out to about a million. Wow. wow. <laughs> I can't even believe I've written that. When you put it in numbers like that, I'm like, I wrote all those words. <laughs> yeah. Are there things about the books that you wrote early on or even more recent books? Do you sometimes forget what you put in a story? And so when you're writing again, do you ever have to go back and refresh yourself on this character or what happened yeah, here? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially if it's a scene that I struggled with and rewrote several times, um, I will often have to remind myself like where I ended up, you know, because I remember like the, the, the versions I went through um, and I need to make sure that I, <laughs> that I've got the right one in my head. Um, and then there's like, especially with the plot, like I can usually, I, I feel the characters, like I feel like I know them. So I, it's, very, it's not too hard for me to write those characters, just like having a conversation with each other, but the plots get very complicated. Like by the end of book 15 and the end of book 10, they, the, there was like a lot of complicated magic stuff happening. And so I did have to go back and remind myself, like, what have I already told the audience? What do I still need to reveal? Okay. And, um, and what do the, what do the dragons know? You know, cause there's stuff that I know that the, the, the dragons don't know. <laughs> now, so. do you have like a giant map on the wall? 
Um, I do have a map on the wall, actually, but it's not giant. (laughs) It's like the size of the book. (laughs) But yeah, hanging up over my desk, I have the art from the first five covers and then the map that's on the inside of the book one. So the map that's in book 15, the one you have, is actually the newer map of the new continent. Um, And I still have the old continent up in front of me. But I, I have also the books all piled up next to me. So I'm constantly referring to them as I'm writing, like, you know, what did I say here? Like, where are they on the like where could I send them that would be interesting on this map um so yeah I am yeah I do have to go back a lot (laughs) and look at what I've done one thing like I noticed at the beginning of book 15 you there is the map and then there's also a guide to the dragons of Pantala which would be the uh the newer continent right and um so I'm guessing in the earlier books you've got do you have guides to all the other types of dragons in them right yes exactly that was something um when I started writing I asked my editor I was like you know what this is kind of like one of those big fantasy world like new world things like is there any chance I could get like a map and maybe like a guide to the dragons because I I, all the other books I'd written I would never have gotten anything like that and she was very into it she's like absolutely we should definitely have that it will help like the readers like keep on track especially I'm sorry to say especially the grown-up readers I feel like kids have no trouble (laughs) keeping track of everything but a lot of the parent readers are like thank you (laughs) for having that there you're listening to writers voices and our guest today is Tui T. Sutherland author of the Wings of Fire series and her 15th book The Flames of Hope was um released just this past a few months ago in 2022. Tui, could you read a little bit from Flames of Hope for us? Sure. Yeah, I would love to. So um, let me just set it up a little bit. It's always tricky to read from the books that, you know, especially book 15 and not give stuff away um, about the earlier books. But I think I found a section um, that is a flashback. So um, book 15 is from the point of view of a dragon named Luna. She lives on the other continent that we were talking about, which is Pantala, where there are three tribes of dragons. There are silk wings, hive wings, and leaf wings. The leaf wings, they, at the beginning of Book 11, they actually think the leaf wings are extinct after this big war that happened about 50 years ago. So we just meet, at first, the silk wings and the hive wings. And the way their, their sort of life is set up is that the hive wings uh, have a queen, Queen Wasp, who is in charge of all the silk wings. Um, as well as the hive wings. So the silk wings are sort of the oppressed, like half of society. Um, and they have to kind of, they're kind of told what to do by the hive wings. And they are, they're given the impression that they live in sort of a co-equal society, but it's not at all. Like they definitely are not treated very well. So Luna's silk wing. And in this flashback, we get to see sort of her younger, um, like the day she met basically her one true love, whose name is Thortail. Um and so in this book, in book 15, she's thinking about him. All right. I think that's enough setup. <laughs> um, I'll just jump in. Um, Luna thought about the day she'd met Swordtail. It had been her first day at Silkworm Hall, and it had started as a sunny season morning in her mind. She had been so excited to finally go to school, where she could learn to read and weave and how laws worked and why things just have to be this way, Luna, and how to make big old mean dragons listen to you. But everything started to go wrong at the entrance to the hive when the guards there had roughly clamped on her metal wrist cuff inscribed with the name of the school. It had been so unexpectedly heavy that she'd yelped, 
and the hive wing putting it on had sneered at her. <laughs> Too bad for Silkworm Hall, getting a whining little caterpillar like you, he'd hissed. I'm not whining, Luna had huffed, ignoring Blue when he nudged her in the side. I don't think it's supposed to be this heavy. It is, the hive wing had snapped. Move along. Don't let the fog in, Luna had ordered herself. Don't let one mean dragon ruin your day. But the dragons who ran Silkworm Hall were not any kinder. Some of the teachers were silk wings, but the administration was all hive wings. There were prickly guards at the doors, and the walls were thick with no windows and no sunlight at all. Students crowded the narrow corridors, quiet and listless. She was separated from Blue and given a different schedule. Teachers snapped at her to sit, be quiet, stop asking questions, fold in her tail, eat silently, wait for permission to speak, which never came. By recess, Luna was in the grip of one of the worst sadnesses she'd ever felt. She knew she couldn't let herself cry at school, and if she escaped out the front gates and ran back to the safety of the web, she'd only be in worse trouble later. But her wrist hurt, and her heart hurt, and she didn't know how she would make it through the rest of the day. Recess apparently meant standing or marching around an open balcony on the side of Cicada Hive. It was boring, but at least there was sunlight and wind. Luna tried to breathe in all the air she could fit into her lungs. Bit close to the edge there, aren't you? An older voice growled. She turned and saw one of the hive wing guards approaching a student who was looking out at the savannah. The little silk wing was not all that close to the balcony railing, and he blinked up at the hive wing in confusion. Oh, here's one more thing I should note. Silk wings are not born with wings. They, are, they uh, develop their wings later on in life. Um, and so at this point, the hive wings all have their wings, but the silk wings, the young dragonets do not. Kind of like butterflies. Me? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Me, he squeaked. His scales were light pink and lime green with hints of darker rose inside his wing buds. Luna had math class with him, glider, if she remembered right. Seems a little dangerous, worm, the hive wing smirked, looming over the wingless dragonette. He inched back, and she stepped closer. The balcony edge was a few steps behind him now. Without any wings, you could tip right over and just think how far you would have to fall. All that time to contemplate the giant splat you'll make at the end. I, I don't, I, I didn't mean to. Can, can I please go inside now? Glamour, glider stammered. He risked a glance over his shoulder as she crowded him back. The balcony railing was only as high as the student's wing buds. It looked like it had been built as an afterthought. Oh, right. Silkwing dragonets have no wings. We should pretend we care about their safety, but don't waste too much tree stuff on this since we don't really. It would not be hard to fall over it or be pushed over it. We lose at least one dragonet every year, the hivewing said in a fake sad voice. Poor little brainless worms who aren't careful enough. She took another step, and Glider squeaked with fear. Stop that, Luna said. She was startled to hear her own voice lancing through the silk fog around her. It felt like bright little flames of anger were burning holes in her sadness. Why are you being so mean? You're scaring him just to be awful. Most of the other Silkwing students stared at her with wide, terrified eyes. The Hivewing flipped her tail, where a dangerous-looking stinger gleamed, and turned her head slowly to glare at Luna. A worm with a voice, hissed the guard. Gross. No one has ever taught you your place, have they? Has anyone ever taught you basic decency, Luna demanded, how to be a dragon with a heart? Or were all your classes about acting like a pile of poisonous sludge to anyone smaller than you? 
There were audible gasps from the rest of the class, who started edging away as fast as they could sidle. The hidewing stepped toward her and raised her tail menacingly. Glider slipped away from the railing and bolted back into the school, but the guard didn't notice. Mousy little worms end up on misbehavior's way, the hivewing snarled, but I get to paralyze you with my tail toxin first. I hear it's quite painful. Oh no, shouted a voice on the far side of the balcony. Everyone hustled out of the way as the guard whirled around. The shouting dragonette was a little bit older than Luna. He was dark blue with several small white triangular scales and larger orange splotches. And he was standing on the railing of the balcony. I got too close to the edge, he yelled. I wasn't careful enough. I was just wandering around exactly like a worm with no brains, and suddenly I ended up here on this railing. Oh, no, the horror. I'm probably going to go splat. I'm such a brainless worm. Tragic day. Poor world. What are you going to do without Swordtail? The high-wing guard goggled at him. Luna could not imagine what her own face was doing. If only someone had warned me about going splat, the dragon half howled. If only some brilliant hive wing had reminded me I have no wings and should be careful in tall places. Alas, alack, woe and despair. Get down from there, the hive wing snapped furiously. Get down right now. Luna saw a strange flare of something in the hive wing's eyes, and she suddenly realized that the guard was never intending to push Glider over the edge. The hive wing wanted to scare them and prove her power over them, but if any of them actually fell, she'd be in big trouble. Get down from here, Swordtail echoed, looking thoroughly befuddled. But how? Which way do I go? I'm much too stupid to figure this out myself. He took a wobbling step along the railing and flailed around as though he couldn't get his balance. The hive wing charged over and yanked him onto the safety of the floor. What are you playing at? She snarled. You're going straight to the headmaster and you too, she barked, pointing at Luna. I know you know the way, the hive wing added, scowling at Swordtail. I do, Swordtail said cheerfully. He sauntered over and bumped Luna's side with a grin. Come along, troublemaker. Luna glanced around the balcony, but everyone else was studiously avoiding her gaze. Why hadn't any of them stuck up for Glider or tried to stop the guard's bullying? Were they all too scared? The dark blue dragonette led the way into the school and down a couple of levels, then stopped in a deserted corridor and sat down, beaming at her. That was wild, he said. You are bonkers. Me, Luna protested, but she couldn't help smiling back. You're the one who nearly ended up a silkwing pancake on the savannah. I'm surprised she didn't shove you over the way you were carrying on. Eh, they're getting used to me, he said with a shrug. Yelling at a guard on your first day, though. What's the plan for day two? Drawing trees all over the walls? No, wait. Announcing at lunch that you're starting a rebellion against Queen Wasp? He must have seen something in her face because he added quickly, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I mean, save it for day five, at least. <laughs> Luna giggled <laughs> and realized this was the lightest she had felt since stepping into Silkworm Hall. I'm pretty sure announcing your rebellion isn't the best way to start, she said. Mine will be stealthier than that. In fact, I just recruited you and you didn't even notice. Really? He said. I'm leading a secret rebellion now? No, no, I'm leading it, she said. You're the comic relief. He laughed. That sounds about right. I'm Swordtail, by the way. Oh, I know, she said. The one this poor world would miss so terribly. Very dramatic. I'm Luna. It is thrilling to meet you, Luna. Swordtail dipped his head. I'm so excited there's finally someone here who might cause even half as much trouble as I do. <laughs> and <laughs> there. <laughs> that was Tui Sutherland reading from The Flames of Hope, book 15 in Wings of Fire.
Logan, you still with us? Yes, I'm still here. <laughs> Do you remember that scene from the book? Yes, very yeah. clearly. Oh, yay. <laughs> so, I love writing scenes where characters meet each other. Like, I always try to make those as, like, interesting as possible so you, like, care about both characters as quickly as I can get you to. <laughs> now, were either of these characters in a previous book? Um. Sort of. So, yes. Um, in book 11, actually, you meet Blue and Luna and Swordtail, like, right away. And then something happens to Luna, and she sort of disappears, and Blue and Swordtail spend the rest of the book looking for her to rescue her. Um, and so she's kind of gone. Um, we only see her in sort of flashes for the first few books. Um, and then book 15, that was why I was really happy to sort of turn it around. And now Luna's the one trying to save the day. She's actually got to rescue Blue and Swordtail now. Ah. So, kind of, yeah. <laughs> when you start a book, do you have the plot completely worked out before you start writing? Or do you, does some of it come unfold as you're writing? Um, yeah, I do not. I am not. I, I Sometimes I wish I were a, <laughs> I'm the kind of writer who had everything planned out, especially when I'm doing like a five book arc or in book six, I introduce a character who can see the future. And I was like, oh, no, now I have to figure out the future. <laughs> <laughs> like, how can I give her visions if I don't know what's going to happen? Um, so usually what I do is I have, um, like, a few key themes in my head. And then I'm like, okay, I know this is, we're going to get to here, um, you know, with books one through five. I was like, we're going to meet each of the, drag the, the dragons who are vying for the throne. And we're going to find out this secret in book four. We're going to find out this secret in book five. And I knew who each dragon, like, main character was going to be. But um, but most of it I figure out as I'm writing it. Um, it. It definitely, like, a lot of things change as I'm writing. And I usually just try to put myself all the way into that character and think, like, how would they react? Like, what could happen in this scene? Um, and then discover it as I go. <laughs> so as you're getting to know the characters, do they sometimes surprise you? Yeah, Um I think so. I, I mean, I, feel, I do feel like I know them really well. Um, but there was a scene in book 10 um, where, uh, like, so the main character of book 10 is this very, like, charming, like, talkative, um, fast-thinking, sandwing dragon. And there's a scene towards the end where he confronts the villain, and the villain tries to convince him to change his mind and, like, basically, like, join forces with him. And so I wrote this whole scene where the villain is, like, being as convincing as possible and, like, super charming. And I found myself, like, halfway through that scene being like, oh, he's got a point. Like, <laughs> what, what would happen if we just, like, went along with him? And I was like, no, Dewey, <laughs> it's book 10. We have to defeat the bad guy. <laughs> So that happens sometimes where I'm like, okay, like I have to come back on top of the characters and be like, no, no, stop. <laughs> you have a job here. <laughs> Do you have um, a favorite dragon or a favorite villain from the series? Oh, um, I always have trouble choosing a favorite dragon because I feel like they're all my children. Um, <laughs> and that <laughs> wouldn't be fair. <laughs> um, I love writing the funny dragons, definitely. So um, Peril, who is the heroine of book eight, was one of my favorites. Glory, who is the main character of book three, which is the one Logan um, started with. That one, actually, I feel like that was um, where I, I was like, oh, this is really what the series is about. Like, Glory is funny, but also, like, has to deal with a lot of stuff going on. Um, 
and there's sort of a contained story in that one. I can see why actually that wouldn't be a terrible place to start. Um, and she, and yeah, so just writing the, those funny characters um, is always really fun. And then also the characters I'd want to hang out with are probably like the gentle dragons, like Sunny and Clay and Blue, who are like the least likely to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about you, Logan? Do you have a favorite dragon or a favorite villain from the series? I like Dark Stalker. Oh, he's <laughs> he's a good villain, that's for sure. What 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 does he do? Um, if you're asking me, he's a so he's the one that we go back in time to um, to see his beginning two thousand years ago, um, and then he has like you discover in sort of book six that that in a way he's still around. Um, so I won't say more without spoiling it. Oh. <laughs> but one of the things about him is he has all the powers, like he can read minds, he can see the future, and he has this like particular kind of magic where he can enchant objects to do whatever he wants them to. Um, and so that makes him like ridiculously powerful, basically, and kind of terrifying to other dragons. So he, like I tried to write him in a way where he didn't have to turn out the way he did, right? Like he made some choices <laughs> that maybe he shouldn't have made, but like there was a good dragon inside of him um, that could have gone on a different path if he had done some things differently, mm-hmm. I think is sort of what I was trying to get at. But yeah. in the end, he makes, he does some pretty terrible things, I think. So, hmm. but he was, I, I, I tried to make him complicated basically. Now with this series having gone on, you know, for, it's being published for 10 years, you said, I believe that the first yeah. one came out 10 years ago. Um, has there been any fan fiction written? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you asked because that's my favorite thing. I think like one of the things I actually wanted for this world, you know, I've created this world full of dragons. You know, there's thousands of dragons in this world in my head. Um, and in each of the books you see, like I said, a dragon who's saving the world in some way. And what I want to convey with the books is like, any of you can save the world. We don't need a chosen one. We don't need to sit around and wait for like one magical person or dragon to show up and save us. Like you can contribute to saving the world like somehow in your way. And so what I wanted and what I love is all the kids who are making up their own dragons and writing their own stories where they have like a dragon off doing their own thing and saving the world their way, like in a different part of the world that we're not seeing, you know, cause I feel like, of course that could be happening. <laughs> and I want all the, you know, I want kids to feel like they're welcome to come and play in this world and, uh, and be a part of it and like be as creative as they want to be um, inside this world. So I do, I, I don't read a lot of the fan fiction cause I don't want to steal anyone's ideas, uh, um, but I love that they're doing it. I, uh, I'm so happy that that's happening. And, and I understand kids send you artwork of the dragons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My office where I'm sitting right now, I'm like surrounded by dragon art and it's very cute. Um, uh, Adam keeps telling me to stop telling people that because he doesn't my husband, my husband is like we don't you think we have enough dragon art and I'm like never no such thing <laughs> but but yeah that's why most of it is contained to my office there's like little dragon sculptures and like drawings and oh, well it's just I'll tell you something Logan can draw a pretty mean dragon right oh, Logan wow <laughs> He, That's he, impressive. I can't has, draw at all. Yeah, he has written some uh, graphic books that featured, well, not exactly, they're reptiles. I don't know, are they, are they, they're not exactly dragons, are they, Logan? 
they're dinosaurs. They're dinosaurs. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've drawn some dragons that I would like in Wings of Fire. Really? Oh, that's amazing. Oh. Yes. Every once in a while, a kid will ask me to draw a dragon, like as I'm signing their book, and I'm like, oh, you don't want that. Uh... It's not going to look like a dragon. <laughs> going to look like a very sad cat. <laughs> now, Tui, on your website, I noticed that um, some of your books have been written under pen names. Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. why, yeah, why is books. that? That was, they were, um, so <laughs> it's a little bit like inside baseball with the, the different reasons. There's a, I think I had maybe four or five different pseudonyms and each one like is a different story about why the sort of short version is that I didn't want to say no to anything. When I was starting out, I wanted to write anything I could. I felt like it was all good practice and it was all like making me a better writer. So, um, you know, I wrote a couple of books in the little house on the prairie, like connected to little house on the prairie. Um, and so for those, I needed to pick a name that would be shelved next to Laura Ingalls Wilder. Um, so I chose, uh, like Heather Williams because Williams is the college where I went to school and Heather is my sister's middle name. (laughs) So, you know, something like that, or, um, with Aaron Hunter, that's a name for, um, there's multiple authors working on the warriors and seekers books. And so they wanted one name to sort of keep all the books together on the shelf instead of you having to run all over the library. It was really to make it easier for librarians and bookstores (laughs) (laughs) to like contain them all. And, and, uh, so, yeah, and Rob Kidd? That one is the Pirates of the Caribbean. And I, they asked me to write um, five books called, like, Legends of the Brethren Court um, that were sort of connected to one of the movies. And I actually said to them, like, do you want to put the name Rob Kidd on them? Because I noticed you've used that name as a pseudonym on some of the other Pirates books. And that way you can, like, put them all together. That's fine with me. And they said, okay, because it's sort of a piratey sounding name. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think, and then Tamara Summers was um, like my young adult books. Those are books that are pretty different from the other ones I've written. Like they're, they're like romantic comedies, basically. <laughs> so, so, and I was writing those at the same time as some other, like more, what I would call two East Sutherland books. And so it was so that I could write them all at the same time and, and distinguish them from each other on the shelves. Yeah, basically. <laughs> There's something Meg Cabot did, too, at the beginning. Meg Cabot, who wrote The Princess Diaries, when she first started out, she wrote under a bunch of different pseudonyms because she is, like, she is, like, a super fast writer. Um, She was writing, like, 10 books a year, I think. Um, And and so, you know, nobody was going to publish 10 Meg Cabot books all at once. (laughs) So if if she sold them under different names, then people could be like, oh, yes, this is fine. Um, next week. And then the Princess Diaries got big, and I think they turned around and put her real name on all the books. Uh, like, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> when you started out, did you did you imagine that you would be this successful? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I was. I think what I hoped for was to write books that did well enough that I'd get to write more books. Like that was my big hope, you know, um, and that I would write books that made kids happy. Like I, oh. I think that's you know, why I, I write is to, is for those moments where you meet a kid and they're like, this is why I read because I started with your books or, um, your book like helped me through something that was like stressful. Um, and so that, I feel like that's why I became a writer. And then it's just been this amazing experience to have the books like succeed the way they have. And 
get to meet more kids like that. (laughs) Well, congratulations (laughs) and thank you for being with us. Thank you for writing these wonderful books for kids. Um, We always close with a quote, and I found a perfect quote for this book. If the sky could dream, it would dream of dragons. Oh, I love that. Where is that from? Lona Andrews. I don't know who that is, but that's who it was credited to. Um, I think she's an author. I got to throw one more in here, though, a William Shakespeare (laughs) quote. Come not between the dragon and his wrath. So we have two great dragon quotes. So (laughs) thanks again. Um, Yeah, thank you so much. This was really fun. It was so great to meet you, Logan. Um, Thank you for reading the book. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Yes, thank you for joining me, Logan. And see you all next week on Writer's Voices. Thank you. Bye bye. 